Hi, I'm Rochelle Jackson. Welcome to The Crime Couch. I'm an investigative journalist and true crime author, and I know who's who in the zoo, the crims, the cops, and the interesting individuals in between. So get comfy and join me each week on The Crime Couch for a rollicking, intriguing tale. It'll be one heck of a journey. Newton Reynolds is a former Victoria police officer. He worked in the job for 15 years in several inner city CIBs before working as a homicide detective and a sergeant in the traffic and patrol division. Newton has recently turned his hand to writing. In fact, he's just published a book entitled Henderson is the Name. It's about Detective Senior Constable Reginald Ernest Henderson, registered number 8706. Now, Reg was also nicknamed the detective with the photographic memory, the falcon of the force, and Hawkeye Henderson. Well, I'm sitting with Newton on the crime couch on a very hot Melbourne day. Hi, Newton, and thanks very much for sitting with me today. Thank you, Rochelle. Now, it's pretty rare for any police member to write a book. What motivated you? Um, Out of respect for the man, um, I worked with him for a very short time as a very subservient rank back in 1966, and uh, his mentoring and his memory remain with me right up until today, and it wasn't until... 2003 when I read an article about his passing that uh, it all came back to me and since that time I've wanted to um, write some sort of a tribute to the man. What makes Reg Henderson, the detective with the photographic memory, what makes him so unique? Um, he, he, went into, he came into the police force at a time when uh, it was in fairly bad disarray, it was fairly corrupt. Um, it did lost the confidence of the government and the uh, people of Victoria. He joined in 1932 and uh, he was a Methodist. He didn't drink or smoke. He had his own um, personal way of a gentleman, uh, showed empathy to people. He was completely different than the police force that he joined. Um, eventually the police force changed with the appointment of uh, 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 Chief Commissioner Duncan who came from the Flying Squad in Britain to do an investigation of the police force. He he found it corrupt, he found that that it was inefficient and um, eventually uh, he became Chief Commissioner Victoria and implemented his own changes and the changes he implemented almost mirrored the personality of Reg Henderson. Okay, so let's dig a little bit into the nicknames that he's been given. In his 38-year career, Reg nabbed more than 3,000 offenders. Do you believe he really had a photographic memory? Because that was his nickname, wasn't it? The detective with the photographic memory. Um, He always said that it it wasn't an innate skill. He always said that... um, it was just an interest he developed 
during his career and um, it took an enormous amount of practice and um, he wasn't the whole face that he recognised, it was more uh, features of the face, maybe a, a, a lips or eyes or scars or birthmarks. Um, but he, he trained himself, even the ex-chief commissioner respected Mr Miller, said that where other people sit down and read the paper on the toilet, he'll look at photographs. So how did he how did he actually work and how did he remember all these faces, Newton? Uh, he, he explains he explained the fact that um, he it was actually it was the face, but it was more the um, features, but he also related it to the type of offence they committed, their personality, the places they frequented. Um, it, was, it, it was it was all it was all a rounded thing. Even though you, you think he identified faces, he used to bring all this together in his knowledge. So, if he was in a shopping centre, he'd be looking for people that maybe were shoplifters, or um, he. It was very difficult. It, it, he said it wasn't innate. It was something that he trained himself to do. See, he's got an enormous respect in the job and he's always had such high status, hasn't he? I mean, one detective I spoke to described Reg, Reg as the precursor to facial recognition. Do you think that's right? Yes, uh, that's true. In fact, there's probably a little bit of Reg Henderson on every corner of every building in Melbourne at the moment. He he was um, he was the human facial recognition um Person, he actually he was the person who, uh, along with John Rogers, helped introduce the uh, identikit process into policing in Victoria. Um, that was the first technological advancement in in um, in uh, recognising people and recording faces of uh, suspects that maybe didn't have a photograph. My father, former Chief Super Bill Jackson, worked with Reg in the Second Hand Dealer Squad. Now. Um, Bill, my dad, has very uh, strong memories and he remembers Reg as an absolute gentleman, always immaculately dressed, usually in a three-piece suit with a handkerchief in his top pocket. He didn't smoke or drink and he played tennis every Wednesday. Now, Newton, what are your memories of him? Well, my memories uh, are fairly scant, actually, because I was very subservient. I was only a cadet when I worked with him. I was... uh, in 1966, before I went into actual recruit training for the police force, I um, was instructed to go to Russell Street uh, to work in his office, and uh, it was quite daunting. Um, Why was that? Well, I was only a cadet. I was 17 years of age. Uh, he was a senior detective, um, and uh, just... Uh, a bit frightening but when I got there he was such a gentleman he introduced himself he took me through the corridors the old brown lido and cream paint and cigarette smoke and tobacco smoke into his office and he said sit down there and he said how do you take it and I said well what he said I'm making you a cup of tea and I thought oh my goodness and he had a china teapot and his own tea service in the office and he made me a cup of tea and he sat down and had a chat and uh explain to me what my job would be for the next four or five weeks. He sounds ref- like a refined gentleman. Yeah, he was very refined. He 
he didn't swear, he didn't smoke, he didn't drink. Um, uh, every even the people that he arrested or the the people that he interviewing, he used to call them visitors to his office. He always had a cup <laughs> of tea made for them. Um, he didn't make a bad friend. He was empathetic. Um, it didn't matter what background he came from. He treated everyone with respect. And that was another thing that my father also remembers about Reg is that he never had handcuffs. So how did he arrest these people? Um, he he didn't he didn't need to be forceful. Uh, on some on some occasions, uh, he he did request um, the help of maybe a traffic policeman because uh, there used to be points people around the city. He'd, and sometimes there's one story at the races where he looking like he's going to have a problem with three or four criminals that he'd identified and um, rather than have the trouble come, he uh, enlisted the help of a couple of uh, uh, traffic police who were there to do the traffic and just finishing afternoon tea and asked for their assistance but there was no trouble. He usually just spoke to people respectfully, respectfully and um, most people uh, did what he asked. He always had the approach of Henderson's, in, Henderson's the name, um, would you come quietly with me? And they did. They did, yeah. Reg was also um, close personal security for many high-profile international visitors, wasn't he? I mean, he uh, can you name some of those people and, and who the people he, he actually gave personal protection to? Well, the first ones... Um very very early in his CIB career, he went into the CIB in 1948 and it was almost instantly recognised he had an amazing skill for recognising criminals and uh, uh, particularly being aware of his surroundings and who was around and uh, when the Queen and Duke of Edinburgh made their first official uh, visit to Australia when, when she was up the coronation in 1953-54, he was selected as close personal security for, uh, for the royal couple. Um, he did uh, for about 43,000 kilometres over 53 days in Australia, visiting 70 towns, every capital city. He also went to New Zealand with them. And uh, as a result of his work with them, he was awarded by the Sovereign the Royal Victoria Medal for service to the Sovereign, which he was very proud of. But it didn't end there because in uh, 1956, the Duke of Edinburgh came out by himself and he opened the Olympic Games. The Queen Mother came out. Uh, he looked after the Queen Mother. Uh, he also uh, toured with uh, Princess Alexandra of Kent in 1959. Um, he also looked after President Johnson in 1956. Um, there's also uh, uh, the Queen and King and Queen of Thailand on their visit. The ex-king of Yugoslavia, I think it was Yugoslavia, um, when he came out, um, he he was the first choice um, in Victoria Police for close security, just because of his knowledge of uh, faces and criminals, uh, his humble, gentlemanly approach. He was um, in the background. Um, he was. They used to call him. A lot of people say he's more a diplomat than a detective. That's a lovely phrase. Um, I know as an author myself, there's a lot of work involved in writing a book. There's a lot of research, a lot of um, investigation. In your investigation and your research about Reg, what surprised you? 
nothing really surprised me. <laughs> uh, I had all this information in my head, even though I'd only been with him for six weeks. I hadn't seen him since that 1966. Circumstances were such that uh, I was uh, constricted into the army and uh, went to Vietnam and got back in 1970 when I was still trying to find my civilian and police feet when he retired. And uh, I went on with my career and um, he obviously did things. It wasn't until 2003 that I read a, um, a fantastic article in the uh, Herald Sun by Jeff Wilkinson, which is more or less a memorial of his life, that I realised that I hadn't caught up with him. I'd been thinking about him. And ever since 2003, I've been thinking there needs to be a tribute to this man. And uh, it's been on my mind and I... Th when it came to this time when we were all locked down. I was going through papers and found the article and thought, I think I'd better start recording all this. And my first point of contact really was the Police Museum. And Carol Noxley there was kind enough to um, authorise his, the release of his complete service record. So it went from there. Reg was also quite a footballer, wasn't he? Can you explain how good a footballer he was? <laughs> Reg was a pretty good footballer. Um, he, he played right from, he, he played junior football um, and he, when he went to Hopeton, um, soon after he graduated from the police force or Barcelona the Police Academy, he went to Hopeton, he played for Hopeton Footy Club. Uh, when he came back to Melbourne, he, he had an associate who played with Camberwell and he was recruited from Camberwell to the Richmond Football Club. Um, in uh, played 1937 and 1938. Uh, he was uh, noted as a, what they called then a Richmond utility man, six foot. Uh, he played on the back line, although he did kick a few goals for them. He played 1937-1938, and his captain was Captain Blood, and uh, mm. he's another teammate with Skinny Jack Skinny Titus, and um, he. Uh, they were very famous, the Richmond Footy Club, the same as they are now. And uh, he Was had... he a good footballer? Well, he must have been. Uh, anyone who plays VFL football um, must be a good footballer. He also represented the VFA uh, state-wise. He was uh, captain of the uh, Camberwell Football Club in his last season, actually. He was captain. And uh, it's surprising to know that the coach appointed, the playing coach then was Roy Cazaley. Hmm. So it was the meeting, the, the meeting of the famous footballer and uh, the detective that was going to be famous. So the all up there, Kazali. So um, he was. It was very difficult for him as a policeman, being a VFL footballer too, because as today they're well known, mm. uh, people know them, and do um, it really didn't suit his personality because he had no ego, and um, uh, he's. Very, he was very quiet about it, so not many people knew that he played AFL or VFL football. It was then. My dad, as the the former chief super, remembers that unlike other senior detectives, uh, Reg Henderson, the detective with the photographic memory, didn't actually have to report to a detective sergeant or an inspector. He was so good at what he did. Why did they leave him alone? Um, well. I could only surmise the fact that he was such a gentleman. He didn't drink or smoke. He had amazing integrity. Um, he didn't have enemies. Um, they knew if he was out, he'd be doing something for the job. He he lived and breathed it. He was a 24-hour policeman. 
and um, he and they knew he would be only doing good for the community and the police force. He didn't need supervision. Wow. Pretty unusual, though. Very unusual not to need supervision, but uh, he was a man that didn't need supervision. And obviously, he also proved himself. Yes, he proved himself. He um, he is a is a claim. Most of his um, most of the important part of his career was from nineteen forty eight until nineteen seventy when he retired when he was in the CIB. But he's accredited with three thousand arrests, which was quite amazing. But the most unique thing, I think, even internationally, I don't think there'll be another policeman internationally, and there never will be, and there will never be in the future a policeman who uh, has made arrests of people that he threw about, I think it's 354 people that he'd never met, only from photo ID. Hmm. Uh, that is quite incredible um, That to have that record. That won't, that will not that's probably never been accomplished anywhere else in the world and probably never be accomplished again, especially with the technology they have now, the facial recognition and all that sort of thing. It's just a, just an amazing man. Newton, also, he, Reg did a lot of um, service and work at Government House. What was his duties there? Um, mainly... <laughs> Apart from eating cucumber sandwiches. Yeah, he, he, um, he had some... He, one of his best friend, one of the best friends, or what he called best friends, was um, Sir Rowan Delcombe, the Victorian Governor, and uh, because uh, Mr. Henderson was such a good tennis player, he was an excellent tennis player. He was uh, president of his own club down in Brighton. He was president of the Victoria Police Tennis Club, and he was invited to play tennis at Government House with the Governor just by themselves. They'd play singles, they'd have afternoon tea, they'd chat about politics chat about the general community but nothing ever got out it was always uh, very informal and uh, so it's quite amazing uh, the other thing I think that amazes me is that he seemed to be a very private person didn't he he was very private and um, uh, he was he liked to work alone um, it did come back probably to a fairly sad family life. Um, he he was married in 1932, uh, 39, sorry, 1939 in Murrumbina. Uh, they had a little boy, James, uh, who died after four days, uh, which was very sad for him. And then he, they had, uh, he and his wife had a daughter, Jennifer, uh, and that was the, she was the light of their lives and the trio did everything together. And unfortunately, uh, Jennifer died in 1962 of a very severe cancer. And uh, that knocked him around. Um, but he didn't let that affect his, uh, his attitude to people, his attitude, attitude, attitude to the police force. He went on as sailor as though nothing had happened, but it did affect him personally. Mm. And, um, but he was always a loner. He was a loner probably because he didn't drink, he didn't smoke. Uh, he worked differently than the what people will usually recognise as a policeman. He was gentle. He was empathetic. Um, he got his way by manners, and um, so in a lot of ways, he's a little bit of an outsider in the police force. Um, you know, if you don't drink and you don't smoke and you know all that sort of thing, you can be in any part of society just a bit of a wowser. But he wasn't a wowser. He was just uh, he was just a gentleman. And because of that, he he was perceived to be a bit of a loner. Um, 
Okay. Finally, I suppose the, the really interesting thing is how would you... You've obviously written that this book as a, a tribute and a form of respect to the detective with the photographic memory, Reg Henderson. How do you want Reg to be remembered? I just want him to be remembered because um, from my perspective, he's not remembered. Um, uh, he's, he's been lost in history um, and he is basically the epitome of, a, of what a, a real policeman is, you know, a friend of the community, a public, a person that is part... Policemen should be part of the community, not apart from the community. And he was... He, was, he made himself part of the community. Um, Newton, if people want to get a copy of your book, um, Henderson is the name, how do they go about doing that? Um, well, as I said, this has just been a tribute. It's a non-profit thing. I've written it as a tribute. So, you know, anyone who, for anyone, I've given a lot of copies away. And, but I, all the, the remainder of the copies I've uh, given to the um, Blue Ribbon Foundation. Um, it's on their uh, cop shop website. So also about going to the website and uh, doing an online order. All the proceeds, every cent goes to the Blue Ribbon Foundation. And I think there's a $5 postage within Victoria. And that's how you get a copy? That's how you get a copy. Just go online to the cop shop on the Blue Ribbon Foundation website and they'll have a look at it. And um, if you're interested in reading about a real gentleman, have a go. Well, thank you very much, Newton, for sitting on the Crime Couch with me today. Pleasure. Thanks for joining me. I'm Rochelle Jackson, and I look forward to your company next time on The Crime Patch.